you know, you're going to have to have your core champions where you email, you know, five to 10 people who are your personal champions. Each person in the band does this and you ask them, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this Kickstarter. Um, would you take a look at what I've said here and give me any suggestions of how you think I should change it. So already you have those five to 10 people vested, um, and really care. And they're probably definitely going to contribute to the cause already. Um, but that's just step one. Welcome to the female entrepreneur musician podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Brie Noble, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And on this next episode, I am excited to be featuring a big fan of this show. I love that she listens to all our episodes and she's implemented a lot of things that she's learned on this show and contacted me to let me know about it. And I actually discovered her music on Women of Substance a few years ago Then I hadn't heard from her for a while. And then she came back to me with a song with her new group and she said, a lot of this is because of what I've learned on your podcast, the success that we've had. And I just got really excited. Of course, I wanted to interview her. And her name is Lauren Spring. And before I get to talking about her, I want to let you guys know that we have a Women of Substance community that I've created for female independent artists. And Lauren is actually a member over on our Facebook group. And if you want to join in and, you know, talk to Lauren, ask her some questions, as well as just network with all the wonderful women there. We just hit a thousand members a few days ago and you can come join us at woscommunity.com. That's www.woscommunity.com. That will take you directly to the Facebook page where you can join us and learn a ton of stuff from other artists, network, gig swap, all kinds of fun stuff. And then we have Q&A Thursdays as well. Now, before I tell you a bit about Lauren, I want to mention something that she mentioned along the way in our interview. And she said, remind me to give the information on this at the end. And of course, we got so caught up in talking and having a great time, we forgot to mention at the end. So I'm going to mention it right now. And this is a showcase for emerging artists that takes place in her area of Florida, which is Port St. Joe. And she says it's just a little sleepy town. But amazingly, there's a huge songwriters showcase that happens there every year. And the judges include the head of BMI and four really well-known hit songwriters who critique the performers and give the artists really good feedback on what they are doing and what they can do to improve. And of course, it is a contest, so there are winners as well. So here's the information. It's called Blast on the Bay Emerging Artist Showcase. It's in Port St. Joe, Florida, and you need to apply through Sonic Bids, and they're taking applications through September 8th. So if you're listening to this before 
uh, September 8th, 2016, go over to Sonic Bids and look it up or go to the show notes page for this episode, which is at femusician.com slash 059. And I'll have the link there for you guys to apply for this. Lauren talks very highly of this event. She talks about her experience there. And I know that if you're anywhere in that area, you're going to want to check it out. All right. Now here's a little bit about our guest, Lauren Spring. You guys are going to love her. Lauren Spring is a 36-year-old folk roots singer-songwriter from the Gulf Coast of Florida. A member of the all-female folk group called The Crickets and her husband's band, The Bow Spring Band, she gigs about 100 dates per year, runs her women's boutique, The Fuss, and is enjoying raising two beautiful beach rat kids. A fan of haunting harmony and vivid imagery, her heavy influences would be Alison Krauss, Shovels and Rope, The Civil Wars, and Brandy Carlisle. Here is my interview with Lauren Spring. So that's a bit about Lauren Spring. So Lauren, is there anything that's not in that short little bio that you want our audience to know about you? Maybe something more personal or, you know, more interesting? Well, I have to tell you, this is the question I struggled with the most on the sheet. I feel like (laughs) I'm so boring. Um, I guess on a more personal level, I'm kind of, uh, in addition to loving music, Um, This is not curing cancer in any way, but I also love fashion. I'm kind of a fashion junkie and I get to go to fashion week in New York um, pretty regularly to go and, and see some of, I I own women's boutiques. And so I get to watch uh, all of the new styles come down the runway, which is really fun in real life. So that's one personal thing, but there's just not that much. I'm a dork. That is so not boring. I mean, I, I've always been interested to check out Fashion Week. Now, what's the name of your boutique? And is that like a one shop or is it kind of a, is it online or how does that work? It is online. It's called uh, The Fuss, F-U-S-S. Um, I think I named it when I when I had just had a baby. So I think I was trying to create a place <laughs> that was not a fuss about anything but you, um, meaning the mommy who needed to shop for a minute. But we are online. It's um, fussstyle.com. And I have two of them. I've got one. um, There are two locations about an hour and a half from each other. So between the two of them, I have fantastic staff that that allows their flaky boss to go do music a lot. So I really appreciate my staff. But I do that. That's really cool. So just so people know, where where are you located and where would they find the stores? I before we get into all the music, it's stuff. okay. I'm in um I'm in the Gulf Coast of Florida. If you imagine Tallahassee and kind of draw a line down to the coast, I'm right underneath that uh, place. It's called Port St. Joe, Florida. Tiny little town. It's sleepy and wonderful and beautiful and very inspiring to look at every day. But then about um, an hour and a half west of that, there is an area right before Destin, Florida. More people might know where that is. Um, Panama City Beach. It's in between Panama City Beach and Destin, Florida, but it's called uh, 30A and there's a resort there called Watercolor Resort. So um, I just, I have a very short season because it's all summer and spring clothes. You know, I don't, I don't ever get to buy the fun winter stuff, but, um, but it's lots of fun and I really enjoy it. And it makes for great stage wear all the time. I get to have fun clothes on stage. Oh, that is a good point. We, we always want to think about what we're looking at like on stage. And I know for me, I was always a struggle of like, you know, finding something that fit my personality that also looked good on stage. So that's, that's really cool. I like that tie into music. So let me find out how did you get started in music? 
Um, you know, I feel like everyone answers this question the same way and it's usually a church, you know, but as a young girl, I sang in church. My dad was, um, he's, he was a musician his whole life still is. And he taught me guitar when I was about 13, I began playing in the church choir or guitar in the church choir. And I started singing with some local bands, uh, in I, in my hometown of Albany, Georgia. And, um, there's just a lot of cool music that comes out of Albany, Georgia, uh, Philip Phillips, the American Idol winner is from there. And, um, Luke Bryan, the country star is from there and they're all around my age. So the, a couple of bands, I was singing with a couple of bands there during that time. And then that became bigger shows. Uh, when I went to college at the university of Georgia, I knew all these, these fun musicians from growing up with them. So they would give me a call when they were in a city near me, if they were near Athens, anywhere in Atlanta or whatever on tour, they would call me and I would get to come sing, sing back up in a totally surreal environment that was just crazy, but so much fun. So I have to say, I went to Athens, Georgia for the first time this year. You actually. did? Um, yeah. So we have family members that moved there recently and we were down there. My husband had to go to a conference in Carolina. And so we went to Athens and I had no idea that Athens was a big music town. And oh. they're telling me, oh yeah, this person's from Athens, this person, REM, they're naming all these people. And I really had no clue. Yeah. The, um, the Indigo Girls got their start there in REM and, um, Oh, B-52s were from there, Widespread Panic, all from Athens. And I'm wow. I'm so jealous because Brandy Carlisle, I think, is playing there this week, and I'm not there. I would love to be. Oh, I'm really jealous, too. I love her. I do, too, so much. That's cool. So right now, are, do you consider yourself a full-time musician? Or, I mean, obviously, you have your boutique, so I'm really curious, you know, how much time you're spending on that, how much time you're spending on music, and, and kind of what your, what your normal week looks like? Um, it is absolutely a part-time job that feels like a full-time job right now. I can't tell you how many people have said that on this show. <laughs> I believe it. I know. Or uh, they say a full-time job that pays like a part-time a- amen job. Amen to that. I, um, I'm, I'm very grateful that I have had this business for 10 years. So because I've, I have a, an established business um, and I've put the staff into place and can afford the staff uh, you know, that I need in place to, to allow me to go do some of these, some, some of these dream, uh, accomplishing things. I'm, I'm very grateful and very lucky in that, in that regard, but I, um, it is a part-time, it's part-time income for sure. Uh, I laugh all the time at the time I think I spent, I put into it on social media alone, um, versus what I see coming in on the, on the tune core, uh, you know, the daily sales report or whatever, whatever I look at every morning. But, um, but I probably gig like I have a gig tonight. Um, but not with the crickets with my husband's band. I'm in his band too. So I have a gig tonight and tomorrow night. And then we usually lead the church contemporary service. We have kind of a bluegrass, um, contemporary service that we are the worship leaders for. So we'll lead that on Sunday mornings. And that's kind of a normal week. I go to work probably three days a week at my store where I live in Port St. Joe. I go visit the other one in Watercolor Resort. Um, usually have a band practice over there when I'm there. And then hopefully have a day off somewhere. And then um, on the weekends, it's um, 
all systems go for the gigs. And then I spend Sunday like collapsed in my bed because I can't take anymore. <laughs> but it's um, it's a lot of fun. And I don't think that people ask me all the time, you know, how do you do that? Or why would you do that to yourself? The truth is, I just don't think I would unless I'd, I, I mean, I love it. I love both of the things I get to do every day. Um, and one thing I'm not including in this conversation, that I definitely should is are my kids. I've got two beautiful children and so I get to hang out with them too. So I think, I just think you wouldn't do it unless you loved it. There's kind of a no excuses attitude you have to have, or, or there's no way this could be done. Absolutely. I was going to say, if you started that business, when you had a baby, you must have kids that are, uh, so what are the ages of your kids? Um, they are now six, almost, he's almost seven, my, my little one. Um, and then my daughter, Farah is, she turned eight in July. So I have a six and eight year old and that's so mind blowing. Can't even wrap my mm. head around it. Cause it feels like two minutes ago they were infants. No, I agree. I can't wrap my head around the fact that I have a 13 year old. I, I just it's like, I know it's around happened. the corner, but I just, I can't, <laughs> I can't fathom it, but I know it's around the corner and she's going on 20 um, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're, they're sorry. Parents drag them to sound checks everywhere and they're really expected to be great. You know, they have to be really good kids. Um, and yeah, if they're like my kids, they learned how to set up the merch table. Amen. Right. Like I believe in <laughs> child labor all the way. Right. And because it is actually a sweatshop because we're down in Florida. So I'm, I'm uh. <laughs> it's as bad as it could be. <laughs> but it's a real sweatshop. It really is. That's funny. Well, we have a lot of struggling artists that listen to this show. And I know that you have a really interesting story about how you almost gave up on music and, you know, what caused you to, to get reinvigorated and get re-excited about it again. So I'd love to hear that. I think our listeners could really benefit from that story. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, in the question you phrased it as, you know, when, when did you feel like giving up? And I, I had to laugh because I didn't feel like it. I did. I gave up. I was done. I was so, um, immature when, when, um, let's see back, back to college when I'm singing with those bands in college, one of those bands, uh, gave me the opportunity to go sing at the, actually at the Athens uh, classic center, which is a big 5,000 person venue. And it was to open for Willie Nelson, which is a big deal and so much fun. And um, so I go to do that. And it was like one of the best nights of my life. I had so much fun. Got to meet Willie and all of their crew and, ha- and also met my husband that night who was, a, who was sitting in as a musician. But um, the next day, that band got signed by Universal in Nashville. And, they, and it like my poor 20 year old naive little heart just believed <laughs> that they were going to take me with them. And that is not what happened. What happened was I didn't hear from them for a, a year and I was so embarrassed. And so, um, just I, I embarrassed is one, but I was so just despondent about it. And I thought I was so, uh, immature that I thought that, well, I'm going to punish the whole world and stop singing Um, which is so stupid and ridiculous. But I did when I should have picked up my guitar and gone to the nearest coffee shop um, because Athens is such a great music town. I didn't. I was immature and an idiot and put it down for almost 10 years. I did not sing in the car. I wouldn't even I was so bitter that I wouldn't even attempt to, you know, my husband was still gigging and and, you know, always asked me to come and sing with him or play with him. And I just wouldn't do it. And I just, because I was, I was so 
over it. And it took, it took me until I had my daughter. Um, and I, she's, you know, she's the eight year old now, but I, when I finally had her and I looked at this kid, I'd never will forget that I had this moment on her second birthday where I said to myself, like, holy crap, someday I'm going to encourage this little girl to go do something that she's afraid of. And she could rightfully look at me and say, why, you know, <laughs> why you're yeah, like, who, who are you to tell yeah. me that? Right. And you know, I kind of realized that I was poisoning myself by keeping music out of my life, which um, was hurting no one but myself. And so what I did was, you know, God, and I'm a Christian, I believe that, um, you know, whatever you believe in, I believe there's a higher power and and the universe lines up when you get your mind right. But um, I believe that, that God really lined something up for me where at my store over at Watercolor in that little resort area, they had this precious little theater and the Indigo Girls just happened to be playing. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to go get tickets. I want to go see them. I haven't sung. They're the ones who taught me harmony in my car when I was 15, um, you know, singing along with them in the car. And I, I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm going to go do this for myself. I'm going to go to that concert. And it was this tiny little venue. I mean, 75 people was so little. And the, and I was brokenhearted because they were sold out and I wasn't going to get to get in. And then the, uh, the owner winked at me. He said, yeah, but there's a, uh, there's a contest. There's an auction to, to sing with them. If you, if you want to do that, there's, that's still open. And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, oh my, how is this even real? And so, you know, long story longer, I, I won the auction, got to sing with my, absolute musical heroes in front of God and everybody, my husband, my staff, my friends, my family kind of standing up and saying, you know, I'm, I'm reclaiming this for myself. This is mine. And I, I'm doing this for me. And I'm going to face my biggest fear by singing with people that I admire the most in this particular field of harmony. So, um, that's, that was my moment when I, when I realized that it was, it was probably looking at my daughter and also in the moment where Amy Ray and Emily Sawyer's looks, look over at me to start singing. That was the moment where I decided to, um, to reclaim it, to take it back. That is so cool. And so empowering. Oh my gosh. So I wonder, you know, had that not come up, had that, I mean, that is like, that is like fate or God or however you think about it. I think that that contest happened at that moment. Do you think that you would have still gotten back into music just after that experience of looking at your daughter and and feeling like, you know, I really need to reclaim this. What, what do you think would have happened next? Had that not happened? I think may, it would have been a different path, hopefully to lead me to the same place. I, I, maybe it wouldn't have been a singing contest, but maybe I just would have begun sitting in with my husband's band occasionally, or, you know, doing something around town that, that was uh, a backup singer for someone else. Maybe it would have been songwriting. I don't know. I, I certainly, there was an, there that that moment was a big deal, but we we're lucky enough in this tiny little sleepy town to have this unbelievable songwriter festival here. Um, which at the end, if you'll remind me, I would love to offer an opportunity to um, the girls listening because we have um, 
there's a beautiful opportunity to, to be able to play in front of some of the best in the business, like the president of BMI and just unbelievable mm. people. But it's, it's for a, a emerging talent contest and I'm, I'm the one who organizes it. So I would, I want to remember to give that uh, website out, but um, absolutely don't, don't let me forget. I won't, but they, we have this great songwriter festival here and there was a, there is a songwriter workshop and I had another moment there where I was so afraid. Oh my gosh, songwriting is so vulnerable. And I was so terrified to get up in front of these number one songwriters. They're all kind of this group of 40 that comes down here. They're all, they've all been number one hit writers in Nashville. And they, they come down here for, you know, a beach weekend and, and play their music. But I, could, I couldn't find the courage to get up in front of them and in front of these 15 people in this tiny town to sing a song. And I, my, a couple of my best friends went and chased down the people, the, the three men who were, uh, who, who had organized it and, and who were teaching and forced them to sit down in a booth and, and have a beer and some lunch and kind of um, behind my back told them the story and they they looked at me and and, you know, the first question I think out of uh, Will Rambo was one of them. First question out of his mouth was, OK, so when are you going to get over yourself? And, <laughs> you know, I think it, but I think had that um, I think I would have ended up at the same place. I just think it would have been, you know, through a different route. But we there are resources out there whether it's an open mic in your town. I mean, I live literally in the middle of nowhere and I had this opportunity. So there, there are resources out there for you to get your music in front of, in front of people and to collaborate with people and to just learn from other people who are doing it. Even if they're just a, a step ahead of you, they're not, you know, killing it, but they're, they're a step ahead of you. You can learn something from them. So I would say, yes, I would have ended up in the same place. Um, I had just decided I just committed to the, to, that I was going to reclaim music in my life and that was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I think if, even if nothing as traumatic as happened to you happens to people, almost everyone has experienced something like that. I mean, I was in a female band and we were doing pretty well. And then we just like ex completely exploded, like just personalities and stuff. And it does, it makes you bitter. It makes you almost you know, punish the music for something that, that it didn't do to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it's not the music's fault. Um, most pretty much most of the time it's not your fault. And like you said, you just need to get over yourself and remember and realize, and that's one of the things, the reasons I created this show is to understand that these kind of things happen to everyone along their journey. And it's, it's not, you're not, you know, being singled out and punished based upon what's happening to you. Like so many people, when you put yourself out there as a musician, bad things are going to happen to you. And you just have to learn how to be strong. You have to learn how to have the inner self-confidence to say, you know what, that wasn't me. That wasn't the music fault. I'm going to, to move on and soldier on anyway, because I know there's better things around the corner. So I'm so glad that you, you told that story. And I really hope that that it helps people because everybody that I talk to on the show has had something like that happen to them, uh, you know, where they thought they were going to have their big break or they did have their big break and then everything came crashing down or people stole their music or, you know, all kinds of things. And it's just part of the business. Unfortunately, I, the business is full of humans 
humans are fallible. They are. And, you know, and I think the best piece of advice I got, um, and it was well after the fact, (laughs) but, um, the best piece of advice that can be applied to anything in life. Um, there's this great book called the four agreements, but one of, one of the agreements is nothing is personal. Do not take anything personally. And when I finally started applying that, that lens to that situation, um, you know, I started looking at it like, of course they didn't take me to Nashville with them. I was their little sister. You know, I was that role to them. What brand new band on a big shiny tour bus wants their little sister along? You know, they want to do what, what a new band that just received a giant advance. And this was back in that day, but you know, they want to do what those boys are going to do. It's a brotherhood. They want to go and, and, you know, have as many different girls on the bus as possible. And they want to do some extracurricular activities that, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not necessarily, they did, wouldn't want me to be around, which is them pro- actually being protective. But at the time I took it personally, I thought, you know, well, it must mean that I, I can't sing, or it must mean that I'm music isn't for me. And it just wasn't personal. And that's, that's a cool you know, when you do feel hurt or you do feel, you do feel like you've been attacked, it's a, it just nine times out of 10, it's just not personal. It's just a projection of what the other person's going through or something you can't see at the moment. But, exactly. I mean, so many times it's, it's really their issue Yeah, and it's reflecting on you, but you, you didn't cause it. Yeah. I, that, that's such great advice not to take it personal. Yeah. It's a, it was a big it's, lesson for me. That's a big one. That's awesome. So this is a bit of a self-serving moment here, but I did want to mention, I know you're a huge fan of this show. Oh um, you've, you've probably listened to almost every, it's funny. Every once in a while I get somebody on the show that they're like, oh, I binge listened. I've listened to every single episode. And I'm just curious what, what you find is the most helpful thing from this show. And, you know, for personal self-serving reasons, I want to know, cause I want to continue to make this show better and, and help indie musicians. I don't want them to have to suffer from the 10 years of drought and my 10 years of frustration, you know, I I want them to, to come out and, and, and be swinging and, and just kill it in the music industry. So I love to hear kind of your take on, on what maybe some particular shows that helped or, or maybe just some subjects that really kind of help you move forward. Oh, I had to make a list. I mean, I'm, I would <laughs> be president of the Brie Noble fan club if I could, just because I, I appreciate, I mean, I hate to sound like such a, a I'd suck up, but, but it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to take such a, um, a business that has, that presents so many challenges to those who want to try it and absolutely bathe it in this, in this wash of positivity and, and give like one word I love is actionable. Like in within your Facebook group, the the women of substance female artist community that that Brie has, which you, you all should go check out if you get a chance and go join. Um, yeah, by the way, that's wOScommunity.com. Thank you. The <laughs> the I think it's so beautiful because she's she's not number one playing unknown indie artist on women of substance radio, which is such an enormous energy boost to someone who is trying out there and just needs someone to give them some kind of validation for their efforts. It's a, 
I like you played one of my songs a couple years ago and it was the greatest thing ever made me feel like such a rock star. I mean, I brag. I remember. And I have to say oh, that song, it, it was, it was a little more on the raw side. Like I could totally tell that you're a great songwriter and you're a great singer, but it wasn't like as produced as what you just came back to me with a couple months ago. And I'm like, wow, yeah. this artist has majorly grown. That's so awesome. But I love to see that. And I've been doing it for you know, almost nine years now. And I've seen people go from the, you know, the crudest of demos to sounding like an absolute radio star over those nine years. And it's so awesome for, for my experience. Well, it's the, it is truly, and you're right. It couldn't have been more raw. That was me and my first attempt with pro tools in my own home studio. I'd never, done anything. We, we had just gotten it. It was so exciting, but I really just needed to get some stuff out and try. And that was it. And, and I was so grateful that, you know, you, you, because uh, I know it was raw and the audio quality was poor looking back, but I appreciate so much. That's such a good example of what you do. Cause you'll take someone like me who needed that boost at that moment and, and you kind of catapult them into their second wind, which is really nice. And that's, so that's number one. The positivity is just enormous. You provide this community to people to help lift each other up. So it's not all on you to lift us up. It's also, you know, on this group of a thousand women who, um, and I think, I think you just hit a thousand. Um, we just hit, we're at, I think a thousand twelve this morning, which is such so, a big deal. Yeah. And you get to, you get to be with these women and lift them up and Bree mentions, um, or you mentioned social proof a lot. And that's so important because other people need to see, um, support for you. It's like, it's such a, it's such a snowball effect, um, because they're not so scared to jump on the bandwagon too. So it's just an awesome resource. Another one is I really appreciate your vulnerability and transparency. I know you were giving me the same compliment a minute ago about the story, but I appreciate those moments where you've completely you know, just bared the soul and been like, okay, you know, I did this wrong. Let me tell you what I did wrong. And here's how I did it. So wrong about, uh, <laughs> in particular, like the story about treating, the fans as, um, as like a me and them situation, yes. like as you got bigger, you know, and that's, I've really incorporated that into what's going on with us because as, as our venues get bigger for this band, um, more and more people kind of bombard you after the show, which is fantastic. But I really keep it in the back of my mind to remember, you know, you be grateful for each and every single one of these people who are here waiting for, you know, 30 seconds of your time don't treat them like I'm me and you're you, you know, like you belong in them crowd and I'm, I'm on some elevated pedestal. I really appreciate that. And yeah. That's one thing I really got on my, my episode with Rachel Sage. If you heard that, like she, she she's been an idol of mine for years and to hear her say on the show that she is so grateful for each and every fan. And she knows that she'd never be where she is without them. And, and she built her business one fan at a time. Like she, to me, she's, she's like, she's made it. I mean, in indie ways, yeah. she has made it and she still thinks that way. And I think that's why she's still successful. I agree. I think you put that out and it, and it comes back to you. I love the range of guests that you have. I love the fact that they're just like you said, um, like, like the next interview is going to be, you know, someone in licensing, which is really, which is a very stark contrast from, you know, from what the, my interview is at the moment. So it's, it's so neat to me that, 
that you've invited, you invite song, you know, these wonderful coaches on and you invite people, artists, and you invite other people in the industry, like someone who is a music supervisor. And I just think that's really cool to hear the different perspectives, to hear what those people are looking for and what they're, what they want and the advice they'd give to you. Um, and by the way, my very favorite episode is, uh, episode 37. I try to listen once a month and that's, that's, uh, Tamara Gallon. If you need a, I love y'all's, your energy with each other, the, cause you really, you really are uh, kindred spirits, it seems like, because the what you're teaching this positivity and this no excuses attitude um, is very true to me. And I believe if you, you know, one thing she says, if you wake up in the morning and you're feasting on negativity all the time, expect that all day, you know, because <laughs> like, it's not, <laughs> it's what you, it's, it's, you're going to get what, what you put in um, is going to come out. So yeah, I'm really excited. We are actually developing a new program that's going to be coming out in the next few months, depending on when she gets time to finish it. But yeah, she she and I really are on the same page. And plus, she just elevates my game with her lovely English accent. Oh, right. I mean, like, <laughs> I am such a, a um, fool for anybody with an accent. It's kind of sad. Um, but then last thing is... Uh, my favorite questions that you ask people are, of course, their big challenge moment where they almost quit or, you know, felt like they wanted to. Um, I love the questions about, did you have a mentor and what was, you know, the nugget of gold that they gave you that, that helped you or differentiated or, you know, what was, what was something they really instilled in you? And then the, uh, the last thing is the resources question, because I take those and I use them. I have a list of books that come from that question or podcast or, you know, whatever it is. And I really try hard to, to make that my lead, my reading list. And, um, that those are the, specifically, those are the things that the show has helped me with the most. I, I listen while I work out in the mornings. So it's, kind of surreal because I was listening this morning to the one you put out this morning, kind of giggling to myself about uh, how cool today was um, that I would get to do it next. It's so much fun. But I just think that the I think what you're putting out there is so positive and such a wonderful resource for girls because there's there's just I don't know. I think there's a lot of negative out there and you can either choose to focus on it or you can come be a part of a community that's going to lift you up. So that's my, there's, there's your self-serving answer. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's, that's so true. I mean, I definitely, I think within the rules of my group, I say, I say, you know, if there, if you guys want to focus on negative negativity, this group is not for you and you will be blocked Yeah, (laughs) because we don't want that. Like, yeah, there's plenty of things to be negative about in the music industry, but how's that going to help anything? Like they're still going to be there. Agreed. So why not figure out how to work around them? Agreed. And the things you post are not, they're not steps of, you know, oh, look at how bad it is today. It's, um, (laughs) here are, you know, 10 ways you can make money right now. Are you doing all of these? Maybe check it out um, on your music right now. And I really just appreciate those because they're, they're, um, they're just a much different way to look at the music industry than, than what, you know, what, what's out there sometimes in terms of negativity. So thank you. Well, that's great to know that you are using the resources too. And I want to segue from this to find out 
how you ended up creating this great new band that you have. It's all female. It's all about harmony and it's a great, it's just a great vibe of like Americana bluegrass folk. I don't know what you guys call yourselves, but the crickets, tell us the story about how you guys came to be, you know, kind of when that happened and what you've done since. Um, I would probably call us schizophrenic cause you're right. It's like every, <laughs> every genre known to man, but we all, we all draw on all any, we all love music down to our bones, you know? And so if it's music, whether it's blues or, or Celtic music, we dig it and we've incorporated it into this album. But, um, the way I got started doing this, there was a breast cancer benefit here in this tiny town. And, um, it was in honor of this, this girl who had just passed away. Her name was Cricket Russell. She was 22 years old. She couldn't afford a excuse me, a bilateral mammogram. She could only like, apparently they'd only cover one or something. One, oh. one breast. It's not going to get the job done. But, um, so from diagnosis to death, it was like eight months and it was, it just mm. rocked the town. It was so sad and awful. And they, they were, they set up a fund in her name to provide women's medical screenings to the uninsured in rural Florida. Uh, so they wanted female musicians to come play this gig. And there wasn't a band of female musicians they asked me to do it and I knew I couldn't carry the gig by myself. So I called a girl from another band um, named Melissa Bowman, incredible guitarist, incredible singer, and asked her to come and basically carry me <laughs> because I just knew I couldn't do it by myself. And um, it ended up being so much fun. I had been playing with my husband's band and love it. Do not get me wrong. I love my husband's band and I'll be in that band for life, but this gave me a totally different outlet. Like you want to sing Madonna? Let's sing like a prayer all day. You know, like it, it was just totally a different um, outlet for me. And it was so much fun. And we ended up raising a lot of money for that cause. Then long story longer, they asked us to do it again the following year. And so we invited a couple more female musicians that Melissa had played with. Uh, Melissa had played with Emily. Emily had played with Katrina. Um, Emily, em uh, Katrina was our basis and she's all the way from Mobile, but, um, Alabama, which is probably two and a half hours from, from where I'm sitting right here. And it ended up being so much fun. We were playing a couple gigs, playing some bluegrass festivals and that kind of thing. And, um, we did a video, we made a video or several, uh, just, you know, some were covers, some, but, but two, two or three of them were originals that one, one in particular that Emily had written, and we decided, well, let's, let's boost it for a hundred dollars and see what happens <sighs> within, um, I think now the, it's at half a million views on Facebook. So, so you use Facebook ads to boost Facebook it. ads was, is such a valuable tool and it was kind of mind blowing people's response to it. Cause it was very, go look at the video. I mean, there's nothing special about it. We're all sitting in an apartment on a couch. I mean, there's just nothing mm. special. And, um, and people's reaction to it, it's very, uh, organic and down, down home kind of a sound. And we really we're three singer songwriters coming together. So it's really nice to, to put all those voices together. Cause we're all very different, but it's a cool blend. And on the album, we really trade off who sings lead. And that's a very fun, um, changing sound on the album for the listener. But Anyway, the, the video went viral and we decided we might have a chance at doing a Kickstarter 
So we did. <laughs> and that was like, this all happened. That was October that we made a video. By December, we decided let's do the Kickstarter. By January, we had our money and we had 10 grand more than we thought we would have. So I think we, we did 25,000, um, 20, 24 plus some. Um, and then we decided we had enough money to actually go after. We were just going to do kind of a very small album here, you know, locally. And then we decided, well, let's go, let's go really do it. And, um, one way we, the Kickstarter was really, I think one reason it was so successful. And I want to tell this to the listeners is that we attached the charity to the Kickstarter. We pledged a dollar for every album sale to the cricket fund, which was that original breast cancer benefit. So the people who believed in that were on board with us as well during the Kickstarter and passionately believed in it. So that was a major help to us. And then um, I we wanted to go to Muscle Shoals to do the album. And I, I called around and I called, you know, the fame studios and Muscle Shoals and like, just, I think they're amazing, but I just didn't have that gut feeling. Mm -hmm. And I called um, John Paul White of the Civil Wars, uh, are you familiar with that? I am. I love them. Me too. I uh, loved them. It's so sad. But that, but he has a studio in Florence, Alabama, which is is right next to Muscle Shoals. And he and Ben Tanner, who is uh, ended up being our producer, but he's in the band the Alabama Shakes. Uh, he they own this this studio together. And I called them, and not only did they say yes, but they gave me the best deal financially I could have imagined. Mm. And he had, you know, I, I just really tried to be flexible and he, he was on tour a lot this year, but we found a, a window of time we could do it. We took 10 days and had the most incredible recording experience I could, <laughs> I could have imagined. And, um, came back. And by the way, like so half the songs weren't written when we finished the Kickstarter. Oh. Like, you know, there we, I had to basically learn fiddle for this album. Um, I'm a guitarist and not a great one. So I, I had to, we had to expand our, had to kind of open our minds to playing some different, different musical instruments to get the, get the sound we were looking for. And so Emily ended up playing percussion and mandolin. I played mandolin and fiddle. Melissa played guitar and banjo and then Katrina was on the bass, but she had to learn how to bow her bass, which is really cool. So we all had to grow a lot very quickly. And, um, now then we had this great CD release party and we just got signed to one of the biggest PR agencies in New York this week. We just took five. So, <gasps> oh my gosh, we're, That's uh, oh, we're freaking out. It's not even, can't even be real, but but again, why are we signed to that company? Because I was listening to a podcast. Um, <laughs> like I, I had listened to several musicians podcasts that week and had heard her name referred to three times. And I was like, okay, mm. well, I'm going to contact her. If she laughs at me, whatever, you know, okay. And she snapped us up and it, it's, I mean, she's, she's one of the best in the business and, um, she, she has, the contacts that we don't have. We have, a, we've done a lot right, but we don't have the contacts and she does. So that's, that's the crickets and they're amazing people. They're amazing musicians. They're all incredible players. They're incredible songwriters. 
and we all are three singer songwriters who had to, and, and plus, uh, I say three because Katrina didn't write the songs for this, but you, we had to put our egos down, um, to be the lead on everything. And we each wrote, um, like two to three songs for the album and then did a couple covers on the album. And that just made it a very collaborative effort. Nobody felt like more attention was given to one person than another. And it was just magical. It was so much fun. Wow. That just sounds so exciting. It sounds so collaborative. It just sounds like all the things I wish that I had had in a female band that didn't happen to me, unfortunately. But I mean, when it, when it works, I think a band of females is amazing. It is. Wow. It is. And there is like, just like boys have a brotherhood. I, I think a sisterhood stronger. Um, we, one of our members was like basically throughout this whole journey was pregnant. I mean, mm. I mean, on stage for our CD release wow. party at eight and a half months and up there, like oh. up there, like a boss. I mean, she didn't even flinch and wearing her guitar, like basically from her earlobes because she couldn't, you know, <laughs> she couldn't rest it on her stomach. We, we've just had multiple challenges, but, um, one of that, one of the songs on the album is a lullaby for that baby. So when mm -hmm. he showed up in July, you know, we all got to go sing his lullaby to him and made a video and put it on Facebook for our fans. Cause they really wanted us to see us do that, but it is a sisterhood and it's awesome and it's totally possible. And that is so, so cool. I love, I love that. So I want to break down the crowdfunding campaign a little bit. I'm curious, first of all, did you actually use the Kickstarter platform versus the other options that you had? And then how did you translate your, your, all those great video views that you got from Facebook into fans that you could contact for the Kickstarter? Did you actually start an email list? Did you get them all on your email list or did you just send them from social media directly to the Kickstarter? And, you know, since you've done the Kickstarter, have you been building an email list so you can, you know, then sell them things in the future? Yes, we certainly have, uh, built the email list since then, but one, one starting point for those thinking about, a, uh, any kind of crowd crowdfunding campaign. I did use Kickstarter, um, for this, or we used Kickstarter, but one invaluable resource that I would suggest to everybody is a, it's a, um, website called launch and .com. It is, uh, these two guys and they step-by-step -step break down how exactly to launch a campaign. And there is mm. a lot of prep work and don't think it's like you're going to do it tomorrow. They, they're so funny about their prep work and their patience. They will only send you a step like every other day of the six steps or whatever. So you have to kind of digest the information and execute it before you can get the next step via email. I'm glad you mentioned that because in my last episode about the smart goals, I said, don't think that you're going to start a crowdfunding campaign and finish it in 90 days. I heard like, you. That I, is never going to happen. I heard you and I laughed because we did. There's so much but, prep work. But, I, but you're right. There's a ton of- Well, you guys are, you guys are amazing, but I don't recommend it no, because- it, No. Yeah. We're, it, and I, I don't think, I think we could have made a ton more money had we waited um, and maybe, maybe been a little more patient about it. But- we didn't believe in ourselves enough at the time to think that anything bigger would happen. So, you know, I think it all worked out the way maybe it was supposed to, but, um, but that particular website 
if you are curious about how to absolutely win and their success rate's stupid, it's like 90% or something like they, but it does take a lot of uncomfortable prep work where, you know, you're going to have to have your core champions where you email, you know, five to 10 people who are your personal champions. Each person in the band does this and you ask them, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this Kickstarter. Um, would you take a look at what I've said here and give me any suggestions of how you think I should change it. So already you have those five to 10 people vested, um, and really care. And they're probably definitely going to contribute to the cause already. Um, but that's just step one. So I would, I would definitely, that's what we used. And I would certainly recommend that. Um, and then let me see, we, we also, because we're a band with four girls, we had different markets to draw on, which may um, be something to think about. Even if you're not from different cities, which we happen to be, uh, we were also drawing on. Um, we were also drawing on like the breast cancer, uh, any any fundraising that that crowd, that group of people, because we had that charity attached to the campaign, um, and then I think that it certainly helped that we were very vulnerable about it. We put it out there, you know, Hey, this is exactly what we sound like with zero editing or filter. If you think this is good, you know, um, please support us. And we used all of that, um, activity from that viral video. I think we had over 600 comments. We went back to all of those people and, um, personally thanked them and said, thank you. And we have this crowdfunding campaign going on right now. If you, you know, if you feel so led, please help us out. And, um, that was an enormous resource, you know, that we didn't have before or a couple months before to have 600 people you could go call on that, felt, you know, took the time out of their day to comment on your video. So, you know, we had people give a thousand dollars. We didn't even know. Wow. And, but that came from reaching out that way. So I think, um, Facebook was pretty invaluable to us as well there. But, um, and then once we hit our goal, which was really early in the campaign, we thought, well, what if we got to have the producer of our dreams? And we kind of introduced that idea, like, hey, guys, we could really have this. You know, we could turn this mm. into something, you know, something awesome into something staggeringly awesome. And the people really showed up and supported us there, too. The fans have, are just incredible. They're so kind and supportive. And they're they're everything. They are everything. Mm. Absolutely. Especially in a crowdfunding campaign. But just in general, you know, to actually have a career in a music business, you have to have fans. Exactly. So I'm glad you, you mentioned going back and thanking each and every one of them, because that is, I mean, obviously you feel that too. Mm -hmm. Like you're not just doing it because you know, you need to do that or it's going to, it's going to have an effect later. Like you really are thankful for them. They actually gave a piece of themselves and, you know, eventually their money to you. So don't, yeah, don't forget, like, don't just think it in your mind, like make sure that you go and thank them. That's a great point. And one more, well, one more addition to that. And I hate to ramble, but the, but one, oh no. one thing we did in addition to thanking them and, and then of course asking them for money on a Kickstarter was once we accomplished it, whether they gave money or not, we went back and offered everyone a free song download, but it got everybody to our website. Um, 
so that's another tool that you may, you know, your the listeners may may try using is, you know, these offering something for free sounds a lot better than, hey, I just released my album. Check it out. Nobody cares. You know, like there that's just something there. But if you're offering something for free, um that that really it pulled a ton of people to our website because they were going to go get their free song. But while they were there, they were they were reminded of pictures of us and, oh, well, they have a whole album and they would often end up buying the album um, in addition to their free download. But they had to put in their email address to get that free download. So everybody wins and um, our email list grows. So that's yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is exactly the strategy that I tell my students to use. But I love the idea of using a video before that to really get a whole bunch of, of social proof and people commenting on Facebook and then being able to, after the, the Kickstarter, offer them all a free song. Yeah. You've already worked really hard to engage those people. And now, you know, now, cause what, you, what the problem that occurs is you try to send out a free song to like, just people that don't know you. Yeah. They're going to be like, Oh, that's nice. You know, but why would they want to act on that? They need to have some kind of connection to you first. That's right. So it's kind of all a, it's all a, uh, progression of how you go from, it's just like dating, you know, go from somebody that <laughs> you've right. never even met before. They've never laid eyes on you to them actually saying yes to going out with you. And, you know, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great analogy that I like to that's use. That's a good for, one. That. I think it's great. I've never thought of it that way. Well, we are, I cannot believe nearing the end of this episode. Um, it has been, there's been so much, I'm sure there's so much that I could get from you as well. Um, we may, I may do a, an episode later on just specifically about Kickstarter campaigns and, and come ask you some more questions, but I do want to give you the opportunity to provide your resource since you said you actually use those. Do you have other than the four agreements, which I thought was a great a great suggestion. Do you have any other resources of either a book or a, uh, and you also mentioned the website, uh, what is it called again? Uh, um, launch and release. Launch and release. That's right. I wanted right. to get it perfect. So I'll make sure and put that in the show notes as well. Perfect. Is there anything else that you, you want to mention as a resource? Yes, but I feel so unoriginal because the guests have all mentioned <laughs> my favorites. Um, but I, I believe strongly in the book, the secret. I believe mm-hmm. in effortless mastery and the, that book comes with meditative CDs. So it kind of teaches you how to meditate. Um, and when it, you know, in terms of helping convince yourself that you're awesome and you don't, you need to quit, uh, bowing down to fear. Um, there's a podcast called the entrepreneurial musician with Andrew hits. It's a great, uh, podcast, I think Leah McHenry, you've had her on before. I think she has some really incredible things to say for an indie musician. Jen Eads with the Brassy Broad uh, show. And then go get yourself a song coach. Um, mine was Robin Taylor Drake in Nashville. And she changed my life by telling me, um, <laughs> basically giving me someone to be accountable to, which is what you mm. are for your students. Um, that she was mine, but I, I you know... I was living a parallel life, but it would have been really fun if it were Bree. So uh, I would I would definitely look into Bree's song coaching if I were y'all. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. I, I hope I can have space to list all those. That's so I great. I know. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> no, I, no, I, no. I, no that's not good. even all of them. It's <laughs> so silly. 
That's awesome. Well, it's been so great talking to you. Please let our listeners know how they can find you and your, um, your band, the crickets. Absolutely. You can find us on Facebook. One thing that is kind of weird about our band, it is the crickets, but it's spelled with a K. So it's K R C K E T S.com. So the crickets, um, dot com is the website, or you can find the crickets on Facebook. Uh, and then we're the crickets on Twitter and the crickets on Instagram and basically any social media network out there on earth we have. So, um, so it, it includes the, the, right. Yes. The crickets? Include okay. the, the, the on there. Um, and you can find us that way, but okay. We'll put, we'll put links to all those in the show notes thank as well. You, Brie, I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with me. It has been so great to talk to you. And I'm so glad you contacted me a little while ago to let me know how much you love the show and to find out, you know, what's happened with you ever since that first time that I got your, your first pro tools experiment. (laughs) (laughs) Brie, the honor is mine and I appreciate it so much. And, um, I just appreciate what you're doing and can't wait to listen to the next podcast. I mean, not myself, but the one after that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.